Well, good evening, church, and welcome to our Sunday night service. We were committed to Sunday nights, strongly committed to Sunday nights when we were meeting together, and we're strongly committed to Sunday nights when we can gather our hearts and minds around the Word. It takes more than one Sunday morning service. And so welcome when life seems to swallow you whole. Thoughts on God's will from the book of Jonah. This is part four. We're into Jonah chapter 3. Let me read the first 10 verses before we study them together. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I will tell you. Interesting, call out against it. So it, it's not a message that uh, will mark it very well, but it's the one God gives to Jonah, and he's not to tamper with it. He's to do what God, God says. It's still the case with the message that we have for this world. Verse 3, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. See, that's the message God gave him. No wonder it's cry out against it. Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. What if, what if Jonah hadn't spoken the very message? What if he hadn't given that message of judgment? calling out against the sins of Nineveh. Would they have repented? What if he had tried to be more compassionate? Would all these people be lost? And you start to see the wisdom of God. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, sat in ashes. Imagine the king. And he issued a proclamation, published it throughout Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let them call out mightily to God. And let everyone turn from his evil way. So they, they were told that their ways were evil. Whether they knew that before or not, that was the message. Let everyone turn from his evil way, from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. I have four or five thoughts. First, notice that God is quick to give Jonah another chance. I said last Sunday night that there's, there's mercy in God's chastening of Jonah. There's mercy in this book. His is a strong grace, not a sentimental grace. And so what you see here is, this is, this is after Jonah had been thrown overboard because of the storm, the sea calmed, great fish swallows Jonah. We looked at last week his meditation in the belly of the fish. The fish vomits him out on dry land. That's where we are now. 
God doesn't cast Jonah aside and pick somebody else. He could have done that. Why not? Jonah doesn't want to do it. Why not get somebody else to go to Nineveh and proclaim that message? And the reason is, that would have done nothing for Jonah. God is out to work in Jonah's heart. This is not just God judging Jonah. This is God changing Jonah. He wants to bring a new attitude, a fresh obedience, a fresh view of God's call and God's will. There's, there's this wonderful truth, and it fits in with the doctrine of divine chastening. There's a simple beauty in those gracious words. In chapter 3, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I think we all need to think the ways of God through in our complicated circumstances. I mean, God was calling Jonah. God wasn't out to ruin Jonah. He was preparing Jonah and molding his character and sharpening his commitment and deepening his obedience. God never had it in his heart to ruin Jonah or to cast him aside as a failure and pick somebody else. Second time. I, I don't know where you are at life I don't know whether you go to Cedarview or whether you're just watching this. But God has not written you off. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, God has not written you off. Circumstances may be hard and trying and difficult, and God wants to work through those things. But he has not written you off. You can always repent. You can always come back. You can always find God's will again. Okay, point number two. But here's what happens when God comes a second time. Even after you've been delivered from the belly of a fish or whatever has swallowed you up whole, God's will is still waiting to be carried out. I get that in those first four verses. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. And you'll notice if you look back, call hasn't changed. It's exactly the same. God hasn't changed his mind. Verse 3, Jonah got up, went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three days walk. That would be a huge city then. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. So now we start to see God's plan all along. His plan never was to obliterate Jonah. It was to change his stubborn heart. And then Jonah discovered that God's plans hadn't changed. God's will hadn't changed. God still required obedience. There was a job to be done. And Jonah's repentance means coming back to what the Lord had called him to. Repentance always means that. It's not just feeling sad. There was still this work to be done. You, you, you just can't avoid the call of God, the command of God, you can run from it. But it follows you wherever you go. God did answers. He did answer Jonah's prayer for deliverance. But he had not changed his mind about Jonah's assignment. Those are two different things. God did answer Jonah's prayer for deliverance. God had not changed his mind about the assignment. Point number three, 
I love this. Notice the significance, the importance of one person's life in God's plan. The writer seems to emphasize the size of Nineveh. He stresses the idea that it was a great city. And this whole city, at least for now, this whole city was turned around by one man's obedience. I mean, the lesson is really direct. God, God was right in his call of Jonah. And when God calls, when he calls you, when he calls me, there's potential in God's call. We are, we are able to do God's will if we are willing to do it. God was not going to command Jonah to do this without accomplishing his purpose that he said he was going to accomplish. Trying to think of how we apply stuff like this to our lives. I mean, you may feel inadequate to whatever God is calling you to. And in your own strength, you probably are. I feel that every day of my life. The important truth to remember is when God calls you and God calls me, God is never unaware of our weaknesses. When God calls you and God calls me, he's never unaware of all the future facts problems, obstacles that his call, his will will bring into our lives. He knows all of that when he calls you. He's got that all figured out. I love 1 Thessalonians 5.24, short little verse. You want to pick one to memorize. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. He who calls you is faithful and then it's like he will surely do it. God, God doesn't just bark out a call. He goes with the call to accomplish his will. God always knows what he's doing with our lives. He can always be trusted in his call. Don't let your initial reflex fears or doubts or questions keep you from looking to God in faith. He is, his will is always the best thing for you. His will is always the best thing for you and everybody else as well. Point number four, I want to look at some, just some classic steps toward renewal. Because here in this book, we have recorded the way lives are made right with God. Whether you've been swallowed by a fish or just swallowed by circumstances, there are always fruit-producing steps to take that are always meaningful, even if they aren't easy. Let me just go through a couple of them. A, first, People must hear what God is saying about their lives and about their sin. I, I think this is the less obvious lesson concerning the Ninevites. I mean, Jonah had to give the message of sin and repentance exactly the way God had commanded, and the people of Nineveh had to hear it. Here's, here's the thing. The thing is, our culture finds it hard to embrace this kind of religion. Jonah, you go and speak against the sins of Nineveh. Very clearly, speak against the sins of Nineveh. Pronounce judgment on the sins of Nineveh. Well, we don't like that kind of religion. Not, not, not in 2020. We've been programmed to see this kind of biblical message as intolerant, narrow-minded, a bit prudish, surely judgmental and harsh. People don't want to hear that kind of stuff, Pastor Don. And all of this, all of this makes it harder and harder for the church to be God's gospel voice in this world. 
That needs to be thought through. People must hear what God is saying about their lives. Just to be clear, there is no, as far as I'm aware, there is no scriptural hope for personal salvation or corporate renewal without hearing the message of the Bible. This is the message Jonah ran from, and we must not make the same mistake. Everything starts with obedience to the message and hearing ears to the message. So that's the first step of renewal. B, to their credit, at least for now, the people of Nineveh believed the message God gave Jonah. To their credit, they received what Jonah was saying with seriousness. They received it with faith. The text specifically says, verse 5, the Ninevites believed God. Now think about that. I take that to mean that, that here's Jonah walking. The text says he walks three days through the city, and he's in a very uh, rough, probably abrupt way. There's no stage. There's no sound system. He's going through, walking three days through this city, proclaiming this message of judgment from God because of their sin. And the text says they believed God. So here's, here's this whole city, and somehow, to their credit, they don't, they don't hear just words coming from Jonah. They hear God talking to them. The people believed, doesn't say they believed Jonah. The people believed God. So they knew they weren't just listening to a man. They sensed the voice of God. You, you and I, you and I will never respond to anything that we study and read and teach the way we ought to respond to it until we, until we, hear, until we hear God speaking in it. See, here's another good step. There, was, there seemed to be this genuine sorrow for sin right up to the king. There's, as far as we can read in the text, there was no passing the buck. Nobody was making excuses. They had this keen sense of guilt and shame. The king takes off his robe, sits in a pile of ashes. It's a, it's a stunning picture, the way these people just, they sense their unworthiness and their guilt and their shame, and it's even modeled outwardly through these gestures. D, another step to renewal, they, they, they called out to God. The text says, they cried aloud, the text says, to God. What did that sound like? What's it sound like when a whole city shouts, cries, mourns aloud to God, wails a whole city to God? Must have been a striking thing. It's one thing to feel guilty. It's another thing to take your guilt to God. So unlike the first pleas of the shipmates of Jonah, they started calling out to their idols, remember? These people didn't call out to false gods. It, it indicates somehow the depths of the seriousness with which they heard the words of Jonah, the seriousness of their response. I'm sure, I'm sure if they were religious at all, their first inclination might have been to cry out to other gods than the gods of Jonah, than the god of Jonah, but but they resisted that. They called out to Jonah's God. The result of Jonah's message, they heard God speak. I, I, I just 
My conclusion here is unless you go to the God of the Bible, you will have confession without cleansing. You will have prayer without peace with God. E, here's a fifth step to renewal. The people were willing to forsake their sins. They didn't just ask for forgiveness. They were willing to forsake their sins, and they did so immediately. So the genuineness of this repentance is seen in the way they forsook their sins before God promised to spare them. You, you read the text. It's, it's when Jonah comes and has this message of judgment. Forty days, God's going to send judgment. That's all they hear. And they're repenting of their sins and they're forsaking their sins. They find out after that that God looks and God spares them. Point number five, last point. The results of repentance. Well, God hears their cry. God spares them. Blessing follows repentance. God doesn't apply spiritual life to rebellious hearts. We, we have to first respond to convicting grace, confessing our sins. God will bless and honor our contrite hearts. And that blessing, by the way, that blessing extends way beyond the boundaries of just the person confessing sin. There's a wonder to God's grace here. I like the order and I like the scope. You know these words from 2 Chronicles 7.14. If, if my people who are called by my name, this isn't just religious people, this is Yahweh. My people called by my name. If they humble themselves and if they pray and seek my face and then turn from their wicked ways. That's the step we looked at that Nineveh didn't leave out. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will hear their, heal their land. What a great text. Let's pray together. We're so grateful that you are a God who comes a second time. You're a God that doesn't easily write us off when we fail in our calling. You're a God who can work through an ordinary individual and reach many lives. You're a God who can honor the truth of your word. You're a God who can bless the scope of your praying people to minister healing to a land as well as at a church altar. And so all of these truths, we've looked at a lot of things tonight. Uh, I pray Somehow, Holy Spirit, enable these things to hang on in our minds after the YouTube channel is turned off. That the truths from your word will linger in our thoughts when other images are coming on the same TV screen or computer screen. That we won't be able to lightly move away from your word as it's planted as seed in our hearts and as it grows to produce fruit. We ask for your presence. We ask for your blessing on our church in this difficult time. Comfort hearts. Draw us all deeply into your word that we'll be devoted, like the early church, devoted to your word and devoted to loving one another. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.